All right, you can turn in your Bibles to Luke 10 while I get started. Um, verse 25. And yes, it is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Most of us, if we've been in church for any period of time, have heard it. But we're doing kingdom perspective. So I wanted to touch on it. I hopefully don't steal too much of Pastor Trisha's sermon because she's taken uh, after me. So uh, I'm sure I'll get the scowl that you get when you're like, don't, don't go too far down that track. I've tried to, I've tried to find a complimentary um, position. But uh, ultimately, as Christians, we're called to, to, um, to show God's love to people, to be an expression of God's love in our world, both within the church community and beyond it. Uh, Romans 8, there's loads of verses. You just look up, you know, love in the thing, it's all there. But Romans 8.13 says, Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. It's all it takes is just loving people. <laughs> you say like all that takes, because it's always fun, isn't it? Look, so let's just, for those who aren't familiar with the parable of the Good Samaritan, I'm going to walk it through. I don't want to assume anything about where people have, uh, have and haven't been in their journey. So uh, if you're with me in uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 25, we're going to read the whole lot. It fills lots of my time, which is good. <laughs> no, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And the, and the teach, expert in the law said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and all your mind, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. He was sort of like the teacher, the, the expert in the law was sort of trying to justify himself and says, Who's my neighbor? And the reply Jesus gives this parable. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. We're going to assume he was a Jewish man just because we're in Jewish society. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest of the Jewish faith happened to be going down that same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, someone else involved in church work within the Jewish community, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, a Samaritan was someone who was not in good standing with the Jewish people. They did not like them, did not get on. Came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave him, hopefully that's enough to cover the cost, but gave him to the innkeeper, look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. I would suggest at some level that the difference between the Samaritan's response and, and the leaders who should have been looking after him's response was their perspective of the man and their perspective of themselves. And I want to quickly cover both of those things. Um, so in the story, I think if we were to try and categorize how the, the priest and the Levite, uh, you know, labeled, if you want a title for my very brief thing is um, labels that restrict and love that releases. There you go. So LR, LR, so a little bit of repetition there. Try and do those things. But if we were, we were to take the perspective from 
the, the, the priest and the Levite, I think they put the, the man on the side of the road in a category of, oh, that's a hassle. Ooh, that, that's a distraction from what I want to be doing right now. Oh, that, that might cost me something if I'm involved in that. Or, or oh, it doesn't look good. He's probably going to go, like, it's just hopeless. Let's, let's not bother to get involved because he's not going to make it. They maybe he thought he was a fool for traveling on the road with valuables that someone would try and steal from him without protection. They may also have considered him a trap where others were trying to now, you know, hide behind some rocks and take him on. All of these gave them an excuse not to engage. All of them dehumanized the man and put him in, labeled him as something that they would not touch and help. We don't often come across people beaten on the side of the road, uh, although, you know, sometimes breakdowns, but we do, we do often put people in categories and label them, and, and it helps us to then not engage with them. Really common these days is political affiliation, left, right, somewhere in between, but we categorize them and then we sometimes write them off because their views don't align with ours. I'm, I'm always for, good for a good discussion, but, uh, you know... Sometimes we, we, we categorize people by a generation. Ah, boomers. Ah, they're just millennials. You know, we, we categorize these people in a way that, that dehumanizes them and, and doesn't actually acknowledge their individuality and who God's made them to be. Economic status. And that's both ways, by the way. We can see a person on the street who's doing it rough, sleeping rough, who's homeless, looking for a handout for some help. And we, we can write them off as someone who's not trying because this is New Zealand and everyone has an opportunity without engaging in their journey or their story. We can equally do that with someone who's earning a heck of a lot more than we are and say, what can I offer them? What can I give them? We don't bother to actually find out who they are, what they're like. We go, oh, they're the one percenters. So we actually can go both ways when it comes to economics. And ethnicity, sometimes we do that. Gender, sexuality personality type, oh, they're just an introvert. So we just, you know, oh, you know, they'll just sit in the corner and, you know, and we don't try and engage. Well, they're an extrovert, we can never have a decent conversation. We sometimes categorize people by an experience or an issue that they're facing. Well, this, this person's a victim of, or this person is going through, this person has, you know. So we, 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 we push them into these areas and, and it helps us to not engage when we do that because um, I like to talk about my driving issues and the people around me, I, we categorize some people into a driving style. And they're just aggressive or they just don't care about anyone else. Not, like, you know, and I try and give grace when people cut in on me at a, you know, sitting in a row of traffic. It's possible that this is their last warning and that they need to get to work on time or they lose their job. So I'll give them grace for it. They sh- I used to be that person too, by the way, just to, not so much cutting in, not so much, cu- not so much cutting in, but running late all the time for work. So, so when we label people, we, can, we, we, we restrict them. But love releases them. So when the Samaritan saw the man, he didn't go, I'm a Samaritan and he's a Jew. He won't like it if I touch him. I don't want to touch him because he's a Jew. He didn't do that. He humanized him and said he took pity on him. 
He's a man in need. He's a man who's beaten. He's a man who is struggling at this moment. I don't know how he got there. I don't know what happened before that. I don't even know if the guys are still in the area. But this man in front of me, he needs someone. And I'm going to be that person. He humanized him. And I think we have to take that perspective where we acknowledge people's humanity in first. We ought to understand that we're all part of a broken humanity and the people in front of us deserve God's love and our attention and, and our, uh, they deserve respect, dignity and love. We can really easily focus on differences that can separate us from people when we should be looking at the commonalities and the things that keep us together. We often need to ask for God's perspective, his wisdom and his love. We need to remind people that they remind ourselves that people have a history, and that history, the decisions, the decisions of others, the things that have gone on in life has led them to this point in time. And understanding that is probably the first thing that we should put on our agenda as opposed to labeling and restricting them. We had, um, in terms of history, we, we uh, were fostering for a short period of time, and, and during that period we had two girls, five and six-year-old girls, um, with us, and you get the training, you get all the stuff, understanding that these kids have been, you know, there's trauma in their past, whether it's because of, you know, but they've been uplifted from their family and moved, and so you have all this head knowledge about what it is and how it is, and then you get to look after them in your house, and the behaviors come, and it's disruptive, and, and you're trying to do your best to figure out what to do with it, and sometimes you can get really focused on the behaviors and stopping the behavior and stopping the, you know, or getting the, you know, we need to get in the car and go because we've got somewhere to be, we've got tasks to do, we've got things that we need to get done, and, and this behavior needs to change in order to do what we want to do, but then, and, and when we got into that state, we often weren't doing our best parenting, our best caring for the kids when we were focused on a task, but when we paused, when we stepped back and we remembered that these kids have a history, a history that we haven't been through, a history that we don't understand, that there's been multiple moves between family and, and to other places, that, that, there's, that there's other stuff going on, that they're just trying to figure out how to cope. They're five and six, for goodness sake. What do they know about the world except what they've experienced? And they're just trying to figure it out. And when we took that step back, when we, when we realized that this is, this is about them as individuals, we, we were better not 100%, but we were better at helping look after those kids because we, we honored their story. So that's, the, so that's what we've got a kingdom perspective of the people that God's asked us to love. And if we label them, we can restrict it, but we need to express love and release them so that we can look after them. And the other side of this is our perspective of ourselves. And if I'm to put myself in the shoes of the priest and the Levite, as they came across this man who was, who was struggling. Statements like, oh, I'm so busy, I just don't have time. Um, I don't have medical supplies and knowledge, what can I do? Um, what a, uh, if he's dead, then all of a sudden I'm unclean because I've touched a dead man and I won't be able to minister in the temple. Um, what if he doesn't want my help? pretty sure that's not crossing anyone's mind, but it could have been as, as basic as, ooh, blood. We don't know. There was obviously the danger factor, 
And, um, and what if I try and it ends up being worse because of what I've tried to do to help? And I think those are some of the things that we can feel about ourselves too, right? We go into situations, we approach someone, I don't have the skills that I need. You know, what, what, if, what if he needs something that I can't give or she needs something that I can't offer? What if, oh, I'm so busy, all these things to get done. I don't want to make it worse. And, uh, and, then, and then there's the classic one, which is, I, I don't have my life all together. How can, I, how can I help when I don't have it all together? How can I be the person that lifts someone else? I'm still working on me. I've got so many issues. And we can label and limit and restrict ourselves because we don't think we've got it. But the, the Samaritan, he didn't take that position. He didn't limit himself. He did what he could with what he had. And if you've ever done a first aid course, that literally is the definition of first aid. Doing what you can with what you've got. And in people's lives, doing what you can with what you've got is all God asks us to do. I mean, there's some good things that we've got, like the Holy Spirit, which I'll get to in a second. But the reality is is that if God has put you into a situation, if there is a situation that he has opened your eyes to, he's probably asking you to do something about it. You don't have to be the answer. Now, let me get this clear. You are probably not the only answer to this. Like, the, the good Samaritan didn't do it on his own. He did what he could. He then put it on a donkey. He didn't carry the dude on his shoulders. He utilized the donkey to get him somewhere where he could rest and relax. He then employed the innkeeper to help as well. And so in situations where we come across, where we, where we reach these moments where someone needs God's love, man, you can do what you can, right? We can do what we can. Really quiet this morning. It's kind of hard to follow a cleansing stream testimonies, to be fair. I was glad that David followed Gail because I was just about crying after Gail, so I didn't want to walk up here. Yeah, thankfully tissues are in the front row, so it was all good. We need to give ourselves grace to understand that we're not perfect, that things don't have to be 100% in our life. Even Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 10, um, talks to God about a struggle. God, I've got this thorn. Three times I've pleaded with God to take away this thorn in my flesh. And God says, no, no, I'm good. It's there. My grace is sufficient to cover that particular issue in your life. Like, it'll be all right. And so then Paul says, great, I'm going to boast in my weakness because God's power is showing through that. And look, and the other thing is don't pretend that you've got it all together because none of us do. We are one beggar showing another beggar where there's some food. And if we think we're, we're more important, we think we got it all together. I stand up here, I had a great chat with those Fijian youth leaders. And, and look, I, I was open about my leadership failings and, and my struggles because I ain't perfect. And if they think I'm coming to teach them about youth ministry and youth leadership and I've got it all together, then all of a sudden I'm an unattainable. I'm, it's unattainable. No, no, I've, I've made my mistakes. I still make mistakes. We're all going through it. We have the Holy Spirit, and this is so amazing to think that we have the Holy Spirit in us. We're not left. God doesn't say, man, go and love the world and do it on your own dime and do it with your own strength. You've got, you've got it, whatever. Whatever you've got, just give that. No, no, he gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit 
lives in us. The Holy Spirit works through us. He gives us wisdom and understanding. He gives us words to say sometimes that we wouldn't have had without the Holy Spirit in our life. He's there for us and for the people around us. So it's not like, yeah, yeah, okay, you know, you've heard the gospel and you've responded to it. Now you're good to go. No, no, we've got the Holy Spirit working through us all the time. And it gets us through and it, gets, and it helps others. And that's what he's there for. Sometimes it's awkward when we interact with people for that first time. We, we need to push through that sometimes. And they might not respond how we hope. All we can do is be faithful to what God's instructed us to do, to love people. That's all we can do. And uh, the other thing is don't feel like you have to have all the answers and fill the silence all the time. We sometimes need that, sometimes have that, right? So we some, like, especially in grief situations where, where someone's struggling with a loss or someone's struggling with things that are going on in their life, and, and we feel like we have to have the answers. And sometimes the best thing we can do is just sit, put an arm around them, and make them a cup of tea. Don't have to speak, don't have to do anything. And so as I wrap up, as I get the privilege of handing across to, to Pastor Tricia in about 90 seconds, or less, no, uh, I want to encourage you, man. We are called to be agents of God's love in our world, like the Good Samaritan. I want to encourage you to not label and restrict the people that you're interacting with. Don't put them in a box. Get to know them. Show God's love in a way that's meaningful to them. And don't restrict yourself. Don't label yourself as someone who's not quite there, someone who's not good enough, someone who uh, doesn't have all the answers. Label your, you know, release yourself with God's love that wants to be expressed in your life. And I just want to finish reading um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The verse before it says, um, oh, not in this version. There's a version that says, there's a, oh, no, it does. It does say it. It says, uh, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and then it says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way, and then we walk into love. This is the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You can sing like, uh, like a songbird, but if you don't have love, it's a clanging cymbal. You can preach like, you know, like whoever your favorite preacher is, but if they don't have love, it's nothing. If I have a gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to, har- my, give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. Anyone living up to this yet? Because I'm feeling like i got some work. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but we shall see face to face in the future. And now we know in part but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 
Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We pray that you would activate something in your life and shift your life towards Jesus. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, just click follow. We love you. Have a blessed week.